All right. So welcome, welcome, welcome again to another episode of Sneaks, Rhymes, and Life. I'm your host, Lionel McDonald. So very special guest that we have today. Uh, one of my favorite groups um, from the 90s. Um, really such a unique uh, style of hip hop that um, our guest is has been a part of. And one of, one of my favorite albums, definitely Wrong Side of the Tracks. Um, so um wanted to introduce El the Sensei from the Artifacts. El, what's good? Peace, y'all. Peace, peace. What's good? All right. So let's kind of get into uh, some of the questions that uh, that I have here. So um, I've seen you really re recently pop up a lot on IG. Um, I, I that's you know I was kind of literally one day searching the word Artifacts because again I like the group and. You popped up, and then I saw merch, and I saw all these different things. So, uh, what what's good? What's what's happening with you as of uh, the last couple of years? I know the the pandemic in particular has been challenging for any artist that loved to tour like yourself. So, tell us what you've up to. Well, uh, for the last year and a half, I've been um, I won't say lucky, but I've been grateful enough to been able to be working through the pandemic, whether through uh, Shooting, I, like I've been, I've been out since October last year, and maybe even before, just uh, shooting videos, um, you know, just getting music together for the future. Actually, uh, we got a new Artifacts album uh, coming out very oh, soon. That's but, dope. Uh, the producer Buckwild from BITC. So we've been in the studio mixing that, mastering that, and um, yeah, I've just been doing like pop ups. Uh, with the merch, you know, and that was just once I saw everything opening up, I I, I figured I know that we're not gonna uh, get any shows anytime soon, as far as a big crowd or anything like that. So I called a lot of record stores up and just told them what I was doing with the merch, and um, I do a deal with them or whatever. I bring my merch through, I do a performance, uh, bring local cats through, through to uh, you know let them let them know that the artifact brand is still out there. And at the same time, you know, me and Sadat X, uh, we've been working on stuff. We got a pop-up that's coming up soon in North Carolina and Raleigh, where he's at. So I've just been trying to stay busy through all of this because the one thing I did say to everybody when the pandemic started was like, yo, if, if this is going to do anything, it's going to give everybody time to do whatever projects they needed to do, finish, uh, complete, master, mix, whatever it is, this was the time for us. So now... Everything is kind of opening back up. So, you know, that's all I've been doing. And you know, me and my boy, Jake Palumbo, uh, we was finishing up our album. So I've just been busy. Yeah, I just actually just got wind of that track. Uh, the one, the 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 lead single, Blast Off. It's pretty yeah, dope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you know, Jake's beats and obviously you flown on it. Uh, definitely. Uh, I, it was, I wouldn't say a blast from the past, but it was definitely refreshing based on all the different types of hip hop and trap and all these other things that are out there. Right. You know, and, it's great. And, it's, and it's fast too. It's fast. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we just wanted to take it back to like what you said, like to a time where, you know, cause for me, lyrically, I grew up off of listening to KRS and Kane and Rakim and Kooji rap. So these dudes that had a lot of vocabulary and a lot of words. So, you know, I still rap like that today. So I wanted to do something, not so much say different, but something that we all used to, but you don't hear that much today. Yeah. And that's that, that song. And when I heard the beat, I was like, oh man, this is like, you know, this is all day. 
it it it, it always uh, it always throw me back when I hear beats like that. And we in this age today, so that just still show me that musically, the is still in the pocket for me and in the vein where I already know where I gotta come. But it was always like it's fast, so I gotta be on top of the beat too as well. Yeah. Well, you, you definitely got in your pot in, into the pocket on that track. There's no two ways about it. So for, for my Man. listeners, if you haven't heard that song, you, you definitely got to go check it out. It, it, it is on iTunes and a lot of other uh, streaming uh, platforms. So you definitely got to check it out. So, yeah, you know, you kind of talk about, you know, going back to the flow and, and some of the uh, the people that have influenced you over over time. But tell us about the, the early Artifacts days. I know you know you, you it's what's so unique about your uh, between a rock and a hard place that album is that you really talking about you know the elements of hip hop and and your true love for for bombing which doesn't get really talked about it even in those times it didn't get talked about a lot but in these times that's like it's obsolete but so t- tell us how how did you know your your love for graffiti and and all of the elements of hip hop how did that translate into a rock and a hard place coming to be. Well, it was pretty much that, you know, it, it, everything that maintained knowledge-wise gained from the time we learned about hip hop, getting into it, him as a graffiti writer, me as a b-boy, and growing up, you learn all these different aspects of hip hop if you're really, really into it. So, like, me and Tame both know how to DJ graffiti and, and Tame is more of the graffiti artist between the two of us because he's been in the, the, the trenches. Tame's been with crews that from New York, TC5, FC, you know, people they they know Tame. And uh even in our area in New Jersey at the time when he, when he started, that's how I knew about him was through his name just being on the wall. And yeah. it was nice with it. It had a couple of friends, uh my man Porno, Max uh, 165, Jay Rue, you know, all of these people were influential in our immediate neighborhood. So we had a scene, you know what I'm saying? And Tane was part of that. So like when we got together, we uh, figured, you know, everything we were doing, you know, we wanted to make sure that when the album came and we got the beats, pretty much everything we did up to that point of making an album came out on the album. So we we can hear our sound change from being in our own in the studio and making demos compared to what we were doing when we started going into a real studio. So we started hearing the difference, but everything we talked about, like, was pretty much you know we capitalized on beats, you know. So when it got to Raw Side, you know, Lil Jamar uh, did the demo version of Raw Side of the Tracks. And you can find that on YouTube. Just put it in the wrong side of the tracks demo. George Jamar did the original hook. So me saying the hook on this on the record, y'all know, is what Lord Jamar wrote when me and Tame was wow. at Sadat X House when we did the original version of that song. It's just that we couldn't clear the sample for for the song. So we, the version you hear is what we did after we couldn't do it more with Jamar. But he asked us before we even did that song, like, you know, what are y'all about? Like, you know. What do y'all y'all say? You know, we told him to say, I told him the same thing I told you. We do graffiti, we went to B-Boys, DJ, everything. So he's like, well, write about that. Write the song about that. So the song y'all hear was the song he put his best to do. So, you know, the, the two albums we did, 
were us as babies and then with that's them, us graduating into being a little bit more confident in what we were trying to do as far as how we wanted to sound and everything. But like that first album, you know, working with Chief Ray, Buck Wild, you know, Redman did uh, Coming to Your Block. Yep, love these that track. Were like, these were all, this album was like a dream in a sense because, you know, you have no plan of what this, you know, what you're going to sound like when it's time for these things to get done. So we was surprising ourselves, we were surprising the label, but wrong side of the tracks is definitely going to be the one song we're going to remember for until we die. Yeah. So again, you know, we, not so many things you touched on there, but I think if we think about that song, wrong side of the track between just how it sounded and how it made you feel. But if you really listen to it, like it's like, it's like, it's like a unicorn of hip hop. Like there's no song that sounds like that song. And it, it like, if you really love the element of, of graffiti and I'm not a graffiti artist, my wife does, you know, some street art, but like you really feel like if you were, if you were tagging trains or you're tagging walls, like you put you in that mind space. It's pretty dope. Yeah. And it's like, you know, to this day, man, I, I get a lot of people that come up to me and tell me, and they say like, yo, that song made me want to write. That song turned me into graffiti artist or graffiti artists that would go out bombing. They would say this was our anthem to play. You know, we knew that all the songs that we had on the album, that that probably would be the one song. That, I mean, because it wasn't like the amped up song. It wasn't the anthem hook song. But it was a song about what a lot of people was doing that a lot of people wasn't talking about. Yeah. Uh, KRS One did a review of Wrong Side of the Track on Hot 97. And he said, it's crazy that it took two dudes from New Jersey to make a song about graffiti that started in New York. And to be a dope song at that, you know, I'm always surprised that people saying the stuff that they say. But it also made me realize that there's a lot of people in the world that's just like me and Tame. And we happened to make a song that was for them. Yep, no no two ways about it. So you talk about, obviously, you know, home is is New Jersey. And th there's some pretty amazing MCs that, that have come through New Jersey. But it's interesting to hear, what were your influences? Yeah, we know that, you know, Tretch represented New Jersey. We definitely know that, uh, obviously, you know, you talk, mentioned Redman already. Redman talks about, you know, his love for New Jersey. I think even Latifah's from the, the area. Um, but were they some of your bigger influence or is, is it really some of the New York people? Like you mentioned KRS and Marley Mall previously. So what, or is it all of it? Just, you know, call it the, the tri-state area is, is what, you know, really, really got you guys going. Well, where, where, where I'm at, right, even right now, I'm, I'm not too far from where Kuhn Latifah grew up. Uh, my early New Jersey influences are Lakim Shabazz. You know, he's the one, he's one, person, one MC, one man that's like a mentor for me. Uh, really good guy. Still deadly on the mic. Um, I always push him to want to do songs. And he, he did, I got him on a couple of joints. I'm trying to get him on the song right now, as a matter of fact. But we talking about like people like Chill Rob G. You know, these it, it, Tretch, yes. Because I went to school with this dude, high school. And I saw all the beginning stages. I saw Everything. I saw the the stardust coming off of him as he walked down the street because I knew he was going to be something. 
but what you have to understand is seeing that made me want to run. You know what I'm saying? It made me want to do something like that because I saw what they were doing, you know, and I was the dude in the school that I, I walked around with the radio in my bag. And anytime I had a chance, I would be playing music out of it, whether you couldn't see it or not, it'd be playing. But when I'm in class, I did all my, my work and everything. But anytime I was out of that classroom, I was playing music, you know, and they were the same as me. So we were always in contests together, whether it was talent shows in school, talent shows in the neighborhood. You know, we all came up on the same scene. So like I signed 7-Eleven, uh, my man Unique, um, Pure Dynamite, he had a song. Like uh, Jersey, you know, and when you talk about early roots with Sugar Hill Gang and, and the records, the Sugar Hill records, this all was in Jersey as well. So, you know, with Sylvia. So it's like, I know that where me and Tame come from, yeah, we have our immediate ties are with Redman. Our immediate ties are always loaded in the underground. But this whole area, we all we all touched everything around here. So far as performing wise. And, and I can say me and Tame was like maybe one of the last groups other than say like uh outsiders and um who just came before them and us. So it's like when you get in, it's like a fraternity. And early on, maybe I would say we didn't do as much music together and, and, and coming up, but now, like, it's songs y'all gonna hear from a lot of us. Like, I did songs with Tress, I've done songs with Do It All, and it's, it's good to, to have that happen, because early on, we didn't get a chance to do that, because what you gotta understand is Jersey MCs, uh, not from New York, you know, we on the outside looking in. So we always was trying to like, once we got through, everybody had the same mentality. Once we bust through, we in. But it wasn't, it, it, it was, it's not a conscious thing to not look back. But it was just the fact that we always had to work so hard to get the approval of being outside of New York. Once you get in, you get that approval, you're still, you're still going. So that's like even getting outside of New Jersey, you know, because if I started in New York. So I would say my roots start, start like, you know, in high school, I was, and it's true, with, with, with Trash. Okay. And then you would say, like, Flavor Unit uh, Posse was all of them anyway. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So I was still, I was still, I, my time affiliation was still like him and all these people by his name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, again, we, we, we think about, you know, how, like, it, it's not a small area, but you know, you, you talk about that you went to high school with Tretch and, you know, you guys have made some, between the two of you, been part of some of the memorable songs, both commercial and obviously then underground songs that yeah. we can even think of. So pretty amazing that you're high, that's what your high school put out there. So, yeah, so that, that, was, that, was some, that was some dope memories for me. Yeah. You know, when I first got on stage my junior, high, junior year of high school, I got on stage looking straight up like Big Daddy Kane. I had, but I had like 12, 15 dancers on stage with me. And when I looked down on the stage in the front, Trent was right there, just like, you know, I'm the only one in this school that be around. Where you come from? Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, crazy. So, you know, you came out with your second album, That's Them. But what really makes, what really makes you think, and after, you know, the two albums, I, I really, it's something that I caught on after, it's like, Artifacts is a dope group, but I don't know if there is a gru group or a duo that, does such an amazing remix um 
So I think about, you know, artifacts or art of facts and then more facts. And then right. I, I bought, I remember I bought the dynamite, uh, dynamite soul single just because of the remix. I heard it once on the yeah, radio right. and I had to hunt it down. So what was your kind of thinking or theory about you guys flipped the remix and it, all of them are incredible. Well, it was like, you know, growing up, just listening to all the other records you heard, that was the thing to do, you know, like, when you listen to One For All, uh, All For One, I'm sorry, with Brand Newbie, it's, it's two different versions of that. Yep. Where one guy is regular, and then one is the bigger, and it's real thicker. And all of their singles, they had remixes for uh, Slow Down, you know, and with the P-Rock version. Yep. And, you know, they had, uh, P-Rock even had mad remixes for a lot of the singles they had done. You know, so you, you kind of know that when it comes time for you to do your own, you had to step in the bag and like we did the remix with Buster, you know, doing the remix with, with my skills, like I said, down my soul. You know, we wanted to be in that tradition of like, you know, let's do the whole song over and still use the same hook. The ultimate showbiz, mm-hmm. you know, these songs, we was like, you know, let's make bigger remixes because, you know, these are things that we grew up liking and studied and, 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 and understood because that's what a remix is. A remix is not to do the same thing over. Like now, yeah. as the years went on, remixes turned into like, just add people on the song. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's not a remix. That just add dudes on the song. You know what I'm saying? It's still the same beat. Yeah. So you get the, you get the remix on the, on the B-side, shit, you might be lucky to even get a B-side record with an A-side and then a remix. So, you know, these are the things you look at to say, well, we think about DJs. You know, we're not just thinking about the regular people. That's still uh, my mentality even today. All right. So two albums, and then you kind of ended up going your separate ways for a period of time. But think about the two albums before we talk about your solo career. Um, two different feeling albums, and you kind of mentioned it earlier. It's like you you, you, you guys, t- the, the vibe was totally different between the two. Do you have a preference between the two? Do you have a favorite? Uh, it's always hard. I mean, I always, I'm always going to say between the rock and the hard place because without that record, we wouldn't have been able to make that step. Yeah. Uh, I'll say, I'll say the first one is more personal. Yeah. Where the second one was like, all right, it's going time now. Like it sounds a little bit more harder. You know, I, when I say that, I think of songs like Collaboration of Mike. I remember that studio session. I remember everybody in the room, but I should remember because it was so many rap dudes in the room, Fat Joe, Showbiz, and then it was like DITC was all in there. And yo, it was like so dope. Jamara, Finesse in there, Marky, everybody was there, but these moments, uh, it's like in time, and the whole span we did of doing that song, that was the energy throughout us doing the whole record. Like all the songs we did with Sean J. Period, we mm-hmm. did those songs in like two weeks because, like, wow. when we started, we just had a one or two beats from him. But then we were starting, we started doing the album with BIC. We did the interview first, I think the interview was the first song we did, and then, um. We just was like, you know, we was working out of Jersey a little bit. But once we got with Sean, every day, like he he had a method where he would do like, um, he would play beats for us. Say he had like eight beats or 10 beats. 
for some reason it would be like, okay, beat number two would be dope, number four would be dope, six. So I was like, all right, you know, I didn't think nothing about that. I just paid attention just that day. And the next, we picked a beat every time he played us a beat from the beat tape. So the next one, next session, same thing. All the beats that was fire was number two, number four, number six. It was all the even. I'm like, why are these numbers? You doing this like, you know what I'm saying? Even numbers, but I would seem like those beats. He said, because I noticed on the, on the other two beat tapes, y'all were picking beats like that. So I noticed that they were like two and four and six. I like, so you kept the method like that. I like, that's fun. But it worked. It worked, you know, yeah. in the way he, he, he remembered how we did it. But, you know, that record was just like, we, we knew we had another chance to prove what we could do and what we learned. And it does sound different than the first one. It sounds a little bit sonically different. Yeah. Uh, futuristically different. You know, it was not a lot of sampling with Sean J. Period. But you think about the two songs B.I.C. did, uh, This Is The Way, and, you know, it, we had a good mixture of, of slow and fast songs, B minus, you know, being on the record, Baby Paul. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happier with that record in a sense of it really showed what we learned in doing the first album. And we saved a lot of money mixing too, and not mm-hmm. eating a lot of food in the studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you mentioned the studio. Is there, you know, you kind of mentioned a little bit about, you know, Fat Joe and, and some of these other guys that were in the session, you know, it seems obviously you had a really good relationship with DIT. Is there one session in particular that kind of sticks out in your head, whether it was funny, whether it is you crafted like, you know, the artifacts or like, is there one session in your mind that kind of kind of sticks out in your head that yeah. you'll never forget? Definitely. Uh, we were doing This Is The Way. <clears throat> Chaos was DJing in, on, the, on the hook. You got the run DMC, you got run. And this is the way. And he just came to the and, and, and this is the way. So we he's doing this hook, trying to get it right. And um, so we got he did one pass. It was okay. And I was like, Chaos, come on, man, look, everybody in the world gonna hear this record, bro. Come on, yo. So he did one more practice run. And while he's in, while he's doing that again, and this is the way. So the door opens up, and 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 it wasn't no knock or nothing. The door kind of opened, and the way the door opened up. It, it opened up, so we over here, so the door opens up here, so we can't see nothing. So the person walks in the door, yo, can I come in? So we like, like we don't know who it is. We really don't let nobody in the room. So who walks in the room, yo? Run walks in the room. I was like, oh my God. I was like, wow. Oh, you went on mute. So he's like, okay, my mommy coming in the room. I was like, nah, bro. Like, like, he was like, listen, I was in the hallway and I heard somebody scratching that I had to come in to see who it was. And you don't mind if I say, nah, he about to finish up. You know, you sit down if you want to, like, see what else you need. So chaos getting that chaos stuff. He's like, oh, oh, I'm like, like, come on, get to work, get to work. So he started doing it now. The, when he's in the room, the pass that you hear Chaos do on the record is the final one because Run was sitting there and Chaos did that shit like right on. No mistakes. Always say, and this is the way we, 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 we rock, 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 boom. He looked at Run, Run looked at us and stood up. Yo, I, I'm good right now. I, I see our lady shook all our hands and he walked out the door. He said, thank you very much. 
We I, and he walked out. We all looked at each other like, did that shit just happen? Like that was crazy. Dude. Like, Extra make diamonds. Yeah. Now he just happened to be in the room in the, in the hallway while we doing it. Yeah, un unbelievable. I cannot believe that. Nuts. That was crazy. Yeah. So yeah. So let let's talk a little bit about your solo career. Obviously, you know. Things happen. Creative differences is is the yeah. world says that happened, and you guys go your separate ways. Tame does his yeah. thing. You, uh, I think you did this album first, and then uh, yeah, yeah, then you did uh, the the album that I love the most that you've you've done um, solo wise is the is the unusual. Like I was literally yeah. playing it today. It it's so it's so funky. So. Tell me about like you know how how did it go you know being a solo artist you know not having a partner but having so much freedom and and creative control over what the song would sound like or your albums. Well, it was scary in the beginning, you know what I'm saying because it's like if you think about it, you know, I, I didn't know if people wanted to hear me by myself without Tame or even like anything I was gonna do. I had no idea. You know, one day I just said, okay, let me get busy and start doing something. This was maybe like 97. And um, I, I started going to the studio, but I remember my man, Matt Fingers, uh, guess why I reckon? He used to come to the studio a lot when we used to do songs and record. And he told me, yo, if you ever get off the label, whatever, anything ever happened, I got my own label, just hit me up. Cool. One day I thought about that, but I called him. I said, Matt, remember when you said if I ever was <laughs> You know, the label or something like that, and they hit you up. He was like, Yeah, I was like, all right, it's time for that. So he was like, Okay, so what you want to do? I said, I don't know. He said, Well, if you had a chance to do a record with somebody, who would it be? I said, Well, <clears throat> I would do one with Organized Computer. And, you know, because I know them, and I know something, you know, I know some, something about to happen at the time I said that. So I got them both together. Uh, he had FT and Mike Zoo. And that, I called Sean J. Period. I told him what I was about to do. And he was like, okay. And he gave me a track. He gave me Frontline. And um, me and my man, P. Original, uh, rest in peace, uh, we was working together already. And I told him, I said, look, I'm about to do this song with Sean J. Period. I need you to give me a B-side. He made the song All Rise. as a B-side for that record. And when we were doing it, and when I wrote it and when I did all this shit, I still wasn't sure if it was something that I think was gonna work. When the record came out, it sold out. Uh, you know, I was I was a little bit convinced that I probably could do this. It was hard because I knew I had to write all these verses by myself. Uh, still not knowing how people would take to me doing this by myself as well. And when I saw that it was a good perception and people was like, oh, okay, you know, damn, all right. And then I did a record with my man DJ AB, uh, 3D, uh, um, Up Above Records, where you're at. And then I, I did a record called Brothers Ain't Got It. Me and my man P Original, we went to Japan. And I'm like, okay, now this is like, all right. You know, I see it's, it's taking off. And I got a little bit more confident to think that, all right, maybe this can work. And then it was just record after record. I was like an NBA player on a 10-day contract with all these different teams. So it started working and, and I got a little bit more confident to say, you know, let's try to make an album now. You know, 2002, I did uh, uh, Relax, Relate, and Release. And, um, you know, that Seven Heads Records, 
I started touring more, and that's when I knew. I was like, okay, now I think I can go. And I started doing shows. I started traveling all over the place, going to Europe. And when I, by the time I got to the unusual, I was really comfortable in knowing what I wanted to sound like prior to the, you know, relaxing release. That record was real personal. Yeah. So it was like the same thing with the artifacts formula. I did something in relaxed relating release that I wanted people to know how I felt, what I was going through after my breakup with the team up until I got to this point of doing a solo record. These were my thoughts, this was my mood, this is what I was doing. When I got to the unusual, I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm on Fat Beats and all the dudes that worked there knew me, I knew all of them. So they brought me in the huddle, like, yo, L, look, that first joint was dope, but on this one, yo, you just black out, don't even think about nothing, just just go, bro. So a lot of the songs was fast, a lot of the songs like Crowd Pleaser and, you know, the unusual title song, all these songs became to be what my energy wanted was for that record and the drive, like, really, like, you know, you know, that was my first time in, even working with Illmind. He was new, you know, we both was hungry. And you look at him now, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, since those records, you know, I just try to be better with every other record I did after that. So whether it was working with the Returners in Poland, whether it was working with KDEF on, on the Enforcers, I just, I, I just heard myself getting better with every record and that the confidence made for better songs it made, made me a little bit different to understand that, you know, when I left my group, this is what I can do by myself. And it's like you say, have that freedom. But I also know me and Tame did get back together and we started doing songs, whether it was hard work with uh, uh, Marco Polo, you know, the remix he did with me with Rod Digger on Everyday in the Street on another Illmind beat. You know, this showed me and his progression because even with Tame going solo, he was able to be who he wanted to be and make the type of records that he wanted to make. And when we got back together, it was like, damn, now we're doing shows where we got Artifact fans, Elder Sensei fans, and Tame One fans, <laughs> all all like this. Yeah. And off of two albums as a group and mad other records as solo artists. So now we're doing all this shit in shows. So it made for something better for everybody who liked us both as artists, whether individually or in the group. Yeah, it, it seems, you know, it's, it's quite the story. And I think, you know, you talk about at the end there, you talk about touring. Seems like you have like such a huge passion. Like I know, you know, I've read stories and articles online. Like you've been like everywhere. You've been to mm -hmm. Asia, you've been Poland, you've been all over Europe, you've been to Canada. Like, so, you know, what what is the passion of, about being on the road and, and just doing your thing and performing in front of people? First off, it's just the people wanting to see you, you know, and wanting, and the promoters wanting to book you. When that happens, that, that means that you have a good show. That means that, you know, as a, a businessman, a business person, as an artist, you're, you, you're good because, you know, everybody has a story about an artist, about being on tour or being an artist, so to say. So I try to break that mold of a stereotype of artists, of artists that, you know, are responsible of artists that do get on stage and do their full show. It's not just about coming to the town, you know, taking the bread and smoking out and doing all that. It's really just about getting there, knock out everything you got to do. And after you finish, then you do what you want to do. But performance wise, 
yeah, I mean, the people want to see us, they're giving us that energy. You know, it, it's like, you know, that's why when I'm home, people ask us, like, yo, so, like, I was in overseas, they, or I've heard that they appreciate it, like, a lot. Like, yo, know, man, it, it's like they love it. They love it just like we do. It's just because they don't speak English or because they're not from America, they can't love it the same. You know, and most of my fans are in Europe yeah. because I go there so much, but it's like they they really want to see us there. Like we do festivals all over, you know, even at this point where I'm at in my career, I've done more in the last decade or so than I ever did in early on. You know, and this is all through, you know, being a solo artist and sticking to my guns. And I know like, there's a lot of things I could have done differently, but if I didn't do them the way I'm doing it right now, we wouldn't be having an interview. We wouldn't be no artifacts, nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, no, <laughs> none of this. So I understand what my lane is, but I also understand like where I want to grow at the same time. And for those that do follow. Yeah, we we uh, we definitely need another show in Toronto. And, and speaking of uh, Toronto, yeah, it's it, it's funny you. Let's yeah. I've been trying to get back out there. When when this shit finally do open back up, the 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 the, the thing that's wrong with me getting there is like this big. It's it's not even something that's written. It's something that the way they looking at it on the screen, on the computer. And I, I had to tell them what they. I got one agent when I got through there. The one time they had the, the what's this thing called? Uh, oh, it's a festival. North by Northwest. Yeah. That's, yes. how, that's it. That's it. Yeah, that, that, yeah, we did it. Me and my man did it. I had to explain to them what they, I said, please, can I look at the screen and see what you're looking at? Because she's like, yo, you got the rest of them selling CDs in the front of a school. Like, I never, but that's the impossible. I never, that's never, that's not, I can tell you what I did. Yeah. But I, but I did get arrested for, but not, that's never true. So when I showed her, it's just like how, like, if you do something, a crime over there, when you get it, or say a ticket, or like driving or some shit like that. They give you the docket number and the code and all that shit like that. So when I told her that, like, you see where you think you say CDs? I said, you like, yeah, yeah. I said, no. She like, when I told her today, what I just told you about the, the, the docket number, she I like, you see in Jersey, the thing that you're looking at, my charge, the CDS charge number docket. She's like, oh, oh. I was like, yes. So there's no thing there to say I'm arrested for that. So she, she let me, they let me go through because of that. And I told I've been coming to Canada for nine years, B. So it's like, I should be yeah. able to go. Once they understood it, but see, this is the thing I got to go through now at the embassy to really get them to understand what they're looking at it wrong. Yeah. Once that happens, then I can get back over and do everything I was doing before. Yeah, that, that would be great, you know. And again, you know, I, I still go back to uh, the unusual and, that was a a, a, sh a song that kind of caught me off guard is the one you did with Socrates. Uh, I know he's obviously Gila House and he's down with Redman and Method Man. He's done stuff with them. But, you know, to see that you guys connected on that track, how did that come to be? Man, that's my dude. Sock is my yeah. man, bro. Listen, I'm a big fan of Sock. I told him that online. I told him that when he came to New York when I met him. And it's funny because when I told him that online, he was like, I said, I'm doing an album. You know, I could easily ask you to rhyme on, the, on this record, but I want you to give me a track. He was shocked. He's like, what? He's like, you sure? I was like, yeah, you know, listen, he's like, look, okay, I'm gonna be in New York, you know, come through the studio, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be there. So I get, I go to the studio, I see him there, we, you know, he told me to 
MP was in the room, so we we had to wait. I didn't know Redman was there. I didn't know Reggie was there. He come walking out the booth. He see me. He's like, what the hell are you doing here? I was like, come to see your boy, right? He's like, who? I like, stop. He's like, for what? I like, I'm about to get a beat from him. Yo, I said that. Red goes in the back in the room with the BBC, and he's on that shit listening. <laughs> what you about to give him? <laughs> I was like, it don't even matter. I already picked the beat. He just got to give it to me on the CD. So, but it was like, you know, when, when he saw me, though, he was like, yo, that's dope. He's coming to check him out. I said, well, I'm a fan of this dude's music. Like, I mean, I'm talking about Two Room and, and Munch. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about, like, all the work he did for Chocolate. I'm talking about, like, Pete Underground Q. Tapes. We still talk about yeah. that. It's like the yeah. mythical yeah. album here in Canada, yeah. Underground Tapes. Yes, Rascals, all that shit. You know, so, like, when I got to do the song, he came, he came to Jersey and, and mixed the record with me and everything. So, like, you know, I appreciated, I appreciated working with him because I wanted to show him my respect as an artist to him that how much that I've done what he was doing. So that that was like a treat for me, you know. So that that was dope. Amazing, amazing. So, uh, you know, looking at your IG, and uh, I'll get you to share it with us in a second, but. Uh, it's, you know, you've shown a lot of the new merch that you got, the Artifacts merch, but I also noticed, like, I think one of the last posts, you got a Duck Camo um, Air Max 90. So are you a sneakerhead too? And kind of like, if that's so, what what's your kind of your flavor when it comes to sneakers? No, I'm a sneakerhead in the sense. Uh, now, those sneakers that's on my, on my wall right now, uh, my man took the picture with the hat and showed me that the hat matched his joints. So I was like, oh, that was crazy. So I, I shared it, and he was like, yo, thank you. I was like, my man getting mad love. I never seen those. So, like, I'm a fan of sneakers that and, and gear that people don't have, or it's hard to get. So even with me rocking polo gear, I always try to find the stuff that people don't get. But I like to match my gear with sneakers that's like, when I bought the air trainers, the blue and red ones, when I first got them, people didn't know what they were. Those Bo Jackson's? I said, yeah, but these came out like mad years ago. Mm -hmm. This is the only end, but they had to, I'm looking for the medicine ball joints. Yeah, those, those are, are hard to find. Yeah. They are very hard to find. So they came out a few years ago, but mm -hmm. I, because I wear size 12, it's hard to find a lot of that stuff. Yeah. If you don't catch it like soon as it drops. Yeah. So, like, but for me, uh, I try to find, I still wear the classic joints. I just found a pair of uh, Rod Labor, uh, green and white. Stan Smith style joints, all leather. That was that's never have you seen a pair of all leather rod labels. I jumped on them joints so fast. I got the blue and white ones and the blue and the, the, the white green ones only because I knew. And I, I, I mean, so rare they, they had them only in Nordstrom. I was like, wow, like they weren't even in the store store. So only if you're a fan of that shoe, you would find that. So you know, I try to you know get the shoe that. Like totally different, whether it's the color. You know, when I was wearing the, the Grand Hill uh Felis, people was like, damn, where you get those? I had the black and red, black and white ones. But I went to Europe and found the red and blue. One shoe was blue and red, and the other one red and blue, but it was different color. Feeling bright and snipes, and then I was like, let's go. Yep. I got back back to New York, Jersey. What the fuck? Where did you I'm like, yes, <laughs> no, not find these in America at all. Wow. Because I caught them in Germany, and they 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 did not come out out here at all. Still, 
Yeah, that's the, so, you know, find those unique joints is good. Yeah. So as I was talking about IG and, you know, a lot of the artifacts, uh, you know, merch is now available. Tell us, tell us uh, the listeners, how do they find you on, on Instagram and, and just, you know, maybe the, the, you know, some of the plans of some of the merch you got going now and what you're going to do in the future. Okay. So let me explain it like this. Uh, in my, on my bio, in my bio, the link is in the bio for the merch page. Right now, the merch page is in construction to fix the buttons on there, but you can still go there and look at the merch page and see what you may want. I encourage everybody at the sound of my voice, follow me on Instagram because a lot of the merch I have on my Instagram page is not on the merch page. And the only reason why that is is because my man will be going to work so hard trying to put all the different stuff that I have on there, whether it be different colors or different styles. So if you're looking for the track list shirts, you can find those on my Instagram. If you're looking for the market shirts, uh, you can find that on my Instagram. The train shirts are on the merch page. You, if there's an option on my merch page, even if the buttons were there, I would tell people to check down at the bottom of the screen and you see in big red writing that it gives you an option that you can email me to ask me what I do have if you don't want to be too quick to just jump in and buy something because size of thing and everything like that, you can actually talk to me live on my email and i answer you back because it's all attached to my journey. So Instagram, uh, all my followers there, y'all know what's up. Uh, if you need anything from me, I make it easy for everybody. It's PayPal, Accessible, Cash App, Zell, Venmo, it's all there. So. There's no, uh, I'm the one mailing everything out. There's no third party person. I'm going to the post office. I'm signing all your bags. I'm, I'm putting the stickers in there. All this is personally from me. This is from no Shopify, none of that shit. So it's all me, it's all genuine. Every time I tag the packages, y'all know it's from me. So if you copy the merchandise, artifacts get from somebody else, whether it be Alibaba, <laughs> or, or the other one, Etsy and all that. That's not that's not me. So y'all hit me up on Instagram and ask me, and then be official. Yeah, I'm glad I got mine official and from the source, and you so you now, responded now, pretty now, good. Now. So, and I like the colors because it's Nick's colors, and I'm a Nick's fan too. So, yeah. Yeah. so. All right. So again, thanks so much uh, for for jumping on. I know you got a uh, a new ev an event coming up at the the House yes, of Hip Hop on uh, on Friday. Um, yes, so you, you and Crazy Drazy from um, yeah, from man, Dawson Peck. Crazy Drazy got the so. gooey goo, googly gooey. You know what I'm saying? We, it, it's, it's, it's different in, in DC. So apparently we can go out there and do what we want a little bit. But yeah, we got the pop up going on out there. At the hip hop museum, uh, thanks to my man Jeremy Beaver. Uh, that's my dude. You know, we're going over there. We're gonna have fun. We're gonna have vending. We're gonna have a little bit of good old time. I think you know, if you're in the in the uh, area in Washington D.C., hip hop museum is right on Georgia Avenue, right up the street from Howard University. You know, we're gonna be outside, so you're gonna see us out there. It's gonna be music. We're gonna have food. We're gonna have bugs. We're gonna have artifacts. Yeah, we're gonna have everything. So come on, check me out. I'll be there. Sounds dope. So again, Al, thanks so much for being on. Amazing interview. The stories are crazy. Just to hear the concepts of how you came up with some of the the, the early albums and and your whole career is uh, that you're still touring and still giving back and 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 still so engaged. Uh, it, it's 
quite remarkable. So thank you so much for your time. Salute, much respect, and and I and I wish you nothing but success and the best. Thank Thanks you, bro. Being on. All right, man. Take yeah. care. Peace. All right, Joe.